you just started exercising and then you become more alert, more alert, more alert. And it actually like wasn't an issue after a certain amount of minutes. And then you'd get home. And I made the mistake the first two times of just trying to go straight to sleep. Didn't work. Does not, anybody listen to this, does not work. At least an hour. At least an hour. If you are planning on running the 4x4x48 challenge by David Goggins, you have came to the right place. This podcast is going to discuss the strategy behind some of the things that me and my friend Bailey did in preparation and during the 4x4x48. Both of us completed it and, you know, had a pretty good, well, I say pretty good in quotations, a pretty good time doing it and came away with a lot of takeaways. We're also going to be getting into some of the dirt bag, his words, van life stuff that Bailey does as a, whoops, as a full-time van lifer in, actually not van lifer, he doesn't like that, as a full-time dirt bag in Moab, Utah. So we're going to be getting into a little bit of that at the end of the episode, but I kind of screwed around with the video color here, so if you're watching on YouTube, some of the video is going to be a lot less dark. Some of it will be dark because I didn't want to go in there and do it every time when there was a split screen, so I don't know what to tell you. But here we go, 4x4x48, listen up. So anyway, we're going to be talking today about what is known as the 4x4x48. Okay. Yeah, Bailey. What what is the 4x4x48? The 4x4x48 is a challenge invented by David Goggins, uh, originally <laughs> meant to be a fundraiser. And essentially, you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours straight. So this time we started Friday at 8 p.m. Yep. You run at 8 p.m. You run again at midnight. 4 a.m., 8 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., 8 p.m., midnight. So that was on Saturday, starting yep. day, going through the night, through the day on Saturday. Then you run midnight Sunday morning, 4 a.m., 8 a.m., noon, and 4 p.m. before you're finally done. Is it 12 legs total? Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. So what were your thoughts going into this? I thought that... <laughs> the mileage wasn't going to be that challenging. Like just looking at 48 miles, like I just kind of wake up and run that without too much like fear or like, you know, I know what that's going to be like. Um, I thought the biggest crux was going to be the sleep deprivation and getting out of your sleeping bag or like I'm in a van, I live in a van. So getting out of my warm sleeping bag at midnight and four in the morning in the pitch black to go run alone. Yep. That's some challenges i was expecting going into it that was exactly my thoughts on it exactly my thoughts i thought i would be cool with the mileage and would not be much of a problem especially with having four hours in between each leg and i thought the sleep depth was going to be the worst part which don't get me wrong it sucked but it was not the wasn't the, it wasn't the worst part no i think one of the major cruxes for me was actually my stomach like being able to refuel get enough calories in and feel decent enough for the next one interesting um, 
the first few I was able to get the calories in, but I was pretty nauseous. And so I ended up going into a pretty major calorie deficit. And uh, I think that just ultimately like made it much worse for me. <laughs> what were you eating? So I mean, it's a little challenging in the van, but I made up a bunch of soup, um, which is kind of a go-to for me. I just grabbed like a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store, uh, broke that up, chicken stock, zucchini, uh, sweet potato, regular russet potato, carrot, a little bit of onion, a little bit of cayenne because I knew I'd be cold during the night. Well, something to warm you up, some good pink Himalayan salt, you know, and um, that was actually great because I don't know, I'm a big fan of soup. It's cold out. You're getting liquids and calories. And so it's just the best of both worlds. Um, I made a bunch of smoothies as well. I had frozen pizza and spaghetti and just, you know, a bunch of bunch of bars and different sugar options, whether they're goose or candy or whatever. Yep. Yep. When we were, we were, cause we were texting during this whole time, which was, which was pretty fun. Bailey was an hour ahead of me. So <laughs> he was always experiencing the hell an hour before me, which, yeah, which was kind of funny. Cause he would kind of give me the play by play. But when you said you would, you had did soup, I wrote that down for if, well, not next year. Cause I probably won't do it next year, but <laughs> for my ultras when they're at night. I think it's such, I mean, I didn't even think about that, but that is super good intel right there. You know, regular soup works fine, but if you make it from scratch, like you can load it up with extra starchy stuff, which is great. And they're broken down and they're so soft. So your body absorbs it really easily. So true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. That was, that was great. I, so for me, I was totally never had an issue with food. Not one time did I have an issue with food which was kind of interesting. I, I ended up buying a huge, large Papa, Me- Papa Murphy's pizza, put mushrooms and olives on it and shit and some veggies. And I had that. And then I had my girlfriend made me peanut butter balls and then banana bread. So it was bait. I was rotating all those. You said the peanut butter balls were kind of messing with your stomach. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. So the first run I, I had the peanut butter balls, uh, I think prior to my first run probably. And yeah, they, they didn't really sit well that first run. So I ended up just eating them when I would get back from a run and then it was totally fine. I just couldn't eat them and then go run. Like I could with the banana bread or pizza for whatever reason. Yeah. I kind of struggled with like the tactics of like, you know, I definitely want to eat when I'm done with a run. Um, but do I eat before? Do I sacrifice time in bed so i can get up early enough to eat and digest so it's not like and so it's definitely this pros and cons of like do i sacrifice sleep or calories so what were you what were you primarily sacrificing during the night i was sacrificing calories and during the day i was sacrificing sleep same yeah, that, that, that's what I had done. The, the only the caveat with me was I could just I could eat the banana bread right before I went out for the run, which was fine. Whatever. I, I don't know what that was about, but oatmeal, and for whatever reason, it was like the fifth or sixth leg and the oatmeal was just great. before. Yeah. Oatmeal is. Yeah, I know. Right. Isn't it? It sits well all the time. Yeah. That's interesting, though. You thought about it like that, because that's exactly how I felt during the day. I, I felt like I just had ample time to actually prep for a run. 
because I, dude, I was setting my alarm, bro, for. 11.53, I would just bounce out of the bed and I would just find my shit and I would just go. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Like, I just went. <laughs> when I first started, I was giving myself 20 minutes and then I realized that was a little too much for certain legs. Like, maybe I only need five minutes or whatever. And then for different legs, it's like, oh, I want a full hour because I know I'm going to want to eat before this one. Yeah, exactly. And so I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, 20 minutes before would be fine. But then I ended up changing it like pretty much like I'd finish a run, evaluate where I was, just figure out what I needed and then change the plan from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it worked because we both we both ended up finishing. But you're, you're, you're totally right. There was a now that I now that we're talking about there was a type of a strategy to it. Yeah. There was a, a strategy based around it. What would you say was, well, before we get into it, what, what did you, what were you hoping to get out of the experience prior to starting? I think I just wanted the intense experience. Like I just wanted to go do something that would be challenging and push me a little bit, see what it was about. I've never done a Goggins challenge. Um, And I don't know. I was just kind of hyped for it. Same. Yeah, I, I didn't really have that big of expectations except for maybe uh, learning. Like, how do I perform? What can I do better? Because, I mean, as you know, um, I'm training for a really big summer tick list, and this kind of falls into line with the training style, with sleep deprivation, figuring out calories, and being on the move. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's how I thought about it, too, as a training for some of the summer events. So what did you end up... So you wanted to kind of learn some stuff and I'm undoubtedly sure that there were some things you learned. So what was your biggest takeaway from it? Well, I keep, I seem to keep doing this Chad where (laughs) I did this off the couch. Like I've been hiking a lot and I've been cycling, (laughs) but I haven't gone for like a run since like two weeks before Christmas. Wow. Wow. So (laughs) (laughs) oh man. It's been three months of no running. So that's one thing uh that like I could have told you before I started is like maybe be trained for an event like (laughs) this. Um but like I don't I don't know, dude. After you've ran couple marathons couple ultras or just you know whatever it's like okay like i can do this you know it doesn't really matter i just turned 23 a week ago so it's like off the couch is kind of my bread and butter yeah for sure for sure yeah once you kind of get that engine it seems as though it's well and it's a lot of it is the mental engine honestly to to where you you know or you have the confidence that you can do it like there was never a time before or during the four by four by four by four by forty eight where I was like, I'm not gonna f- not finish this. Yeah. On the other hand, I was constantly thinking, this is pretty brutal. A- as in, my my biggest issue. You you just saw the picture of my ankle. Yeah, I injured my ankle around run seven or eight, and when I got back from the last run before it was injured, I was noticing the tightness and 
I was thinking I was trying to roll out and I was like, oh, dang. So I took a shower and I was like trying to stand. I was like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> this ain't good. And so basically every subsequent run, I would warm it up the first mile and a half and they would be okay. I would have 65% of my gait. That's probably it. Really, my left leg was more of a like a stabilization peg. My right leg was doing everything. And so by the time it was warmed up, I would have to come back and you'd be done. You'd have to do the whole thing over again. And that was, was tough for me. And yeah, I'm trying to think about like my biggest lesson. I think my biggest lesson is I learned that I operate fairly well on no sleep when you're being active. Yeah, I think, um, like, did you hallucinate at all or anything like that? <laughs> well, I did see an albino deer, but oh. that was real. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> allegedly it was real. We don't have Jerry's out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about you? Uh, no, no audio or yeah. hallucinations. But again, like, the confidence I went into this event was knowing that I've done ultra events where i have hallucinated because i've been that sleep deprived and knowing i didn't even get close to that level kind of changes my take on it got it what what ultras were you sleep deprived in uh the 100 miler you've done 100 so i made it 83 miles i missed the last time checkpoint by like 27 minutes when was this that was this last summer actually really yeah so after the brothers after the brothers. Where was it at? North Bend. No shit. You know the Cascade of Palouse Trails? Yeah. Yeah, I was just on that. Wow. Yeah. 80 some miles. 83 and 24, 27. What were your biggest hurdles there? Injury. Definitely. I had torn my ACL, partially torn my ACL uh, less than a year prior in one injury and some uh, ligaments in my ankle. And then in a separate injury, like six months before, like five months before, I tore my LCL. Same knee. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My knees have been taking a beating. Got it. Yeah. That's why we're going to start doing some bike packing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I, I actually, yeah, I have 100 in august at the end of august so that's yeah i was kind of using this as a training for it that's going to be interesting yeah the 100 is going to be interesting but you know what was interesting here this was interesting to me was honestly the so the night runs like you know how you'd wake up and you were very groggy you were extremely groggy but by the time you you know it was cold so you got the cold shock when you go outside and then also you just started exercising and then you become more alert, more alert, more alert. And it actually like wasn't an issue after a certain amount of minutes. And then you'd get home. And I made the mistake the first two times of just trying to go straight to sleep. Didn't work. Does not anybody listen to this does not work at least an hour, at least an hour. Yeah. I mean, I could do maybe 45 minutes if I was like at, for the second set for the second day because I was already sleep deprived. So my body was willing to go into sleep faster. Um, but definitely like you need to take that time. And we talked about this throughout pretty extensively, whether it's going to bed early or, or like how soon after you finish the run, you go to bed. 
and also what do you do with that time like mm-hmm. what's the best use of that time i think you know getting calories in in that first hour is super important hydration obviously uh but a lot of stretching a lot of foam mm-hmm. rolling ibuprofen stuff like that it's yes. like, like sitting on your ass and being like oh i can't sleep it's like, exactly and that is that is the that is what makes an ultra runner or a through hiker or whatever it is that is a, being efficient. Yeah. So what you're saying, instead of sitting there on your ass or laying in bed because you can't sleep, do something with the time. Yeah, and I think the efficiency aspect, like you said, through hiking, ultra, whatever. I mean, it, it translates to everything more, whether you're backcountry skiing, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Your transitions, there's rolling hills, you're up and down, whatever. Uh, rock climbing, I mean, that's my main sport. And yeah, I was just down in Mexico for a month, right? And like on the long multi-pitches, climbing fast is a big part of it. But what I noticed most is like the people who were fast on the wall were the people that were quick with their transitions. Interesting. Like, their rope work was really clean. If they're swapping belays at every pitch, you know, they're really efficient, whether they're linking pitches or not, you know, it's just like that. Interesting, dude. Interesting. And it's cool because like I went down there with my buddy Finn and I'm definitely a bit more experienced than him. Got a couple of years and just more efficient. I was able to kind of be like, okay, your rope management sucks. Work on this for the next two weeks. And then you see it do it. And then uh, like we had this test piece that we wanted to go do. Uh, Estraida is the name of it. It's 12 pitches, 1200 feet, uh, 11A. And we were like, okay, let's see how fast we can do this. And we're like, we brought way too much water and way too much food because we're like, oh, maybe six hours to the top or whatever. Right. We were in 210. Right. We were super efficient linking every pitch. Right. But, right. You know, whether it's five minutes or two minutes, that difference of three minutes over 12 pitches definitely. Huge. Huge, huge. It's one of the things I noticed when I first started through hiking was I randomly started hiking with this PCT hiker and he was freaking 70 years old, but he was out hiking me and I was trying to figure out why this was. And he was so efficient with his time, where he was placing his snacks, where he placed his gear at the top of his bag when we took the break. So we didn't have to dig all the way down to the bottom and blah, 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 blah. And it went on and on. Those little, those little efficiencies go a long way. Yeah, your pack could be lighter than his. Really? You know, he he knows how to use it. He knows how to use it. Yeah. Speaking of rock climbing, Grand Canyon. Where I would love to do some rock climbing if we get down there in May. Haven't done any research on that, but I mean, I've got a quad rack in the van, so we can get up. And- I'm sure that there would be, there would be so, so even just a half day of climbing yeah. would be phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. I don't know that much. We just started uh, doing lead climbing in the gym actually, which is, uh, which is pretty fun, but we're still very new. Um, I think you should just, you know, we should go out to the Grand Canyon and then you should come out to Moab for a few days. Let me show you the desert. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. I mean, get you up many climbs. You can go canyoneering if you have that bike. Yeah, dude, that's true. So here's the thing. God bless her, but and she may be listening. Girlfriend's coming along too. So I'm gonna have to figure that logistic 
Oh, but I would, dude, I would love to do that stuff. Cause that is my next level of where I'm trying to learn in the wilderness is more of the climbing. I think that links everything together. You know, if you're good at running and through hiking, that's cool, blah, blah, blah. But like to get from point A to point B, there might be some places you need to climb and blah, blah, blah. I think that is so cool. Like some of the goals, you know, if you want to share some of your goals for this year, you got some pretty cool goals. Yeah. Let me pull up the notes real quick. <laughs> it's a long tick list. Oh, shit. Yep. So the first item on the tick list was four by four by 48, which we same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next one is all 58 of the Colorado 14ers. Very good goal. Yeah. Pretty mega. Um, I'm going to try to do like six of them in the back half of April and ski them. Mm. Um, and then in May, I'm still working at the bar here in Moab. And then we're going to do our three. And then I'm in June, I'm right back to four, uh, 14ers. And then the Cirque de Towers. Are you familiar with that? Zen, the Wind Rivers. Yeah. So get this, dude. I'm actually doing the Wind River high route. So I'll be going past there. And at the start of August. So, yeah, let me know. Yeah, cool. Because uh, that one, I kind of want to go out there and hang out for a little bit. Like, okay. And then go do a couple different routes on different pieces. So, you don't have a date for that yet. So, let me, I'll, I'll throw you, I, I'm not sure what date it, it is. I think it's like the first week in August or something or last week in July, but I'll confirm it with you after this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, Cirque du Towers, the Grand Traverse in the Tetons. Um, so, mm-hmm. you, hike the ridgeline, do uh, every major summit and quite a bit of like involved rock climbing. And I want to do that in a day. So less than 24 hours, Mm -hmm. Um, the world, the Wasatch ultimate. Oh, that's going to be so dope. I'm looking for a partner for that. Actually. (laughs) I might. (laughs) I would love to do it. There is, there's no rope work on that, right? It's just kind of sketchy scrambling. I think. I mean, you have you done like Fortress or anything like that out by Glacier Peak or like over by like um, North Leavenworth in that area? What is it called? Fortress? Oh, okay. dude, you got to go do Fortress. It's a bitch, but it's so much fun. Really? So do it like earlier season. I can look up the dates when me and my friends did it, but it's just really steep, sketchy scree. Like I would much rather be there a month earlier and do it in steep snow. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you gain this notch in the ridge line, and it's all fifth class scrambling with one hero move. It's like a five seven chimney with just like two thousand feet of air below you. Wait, so what is a hero move? Where it's like you're free soloing essentially because you're scrambling. It's like really easy terrain, and then out of nowhere, there's like just one kind of fucked up move. <laughs> hero move i love it if you go climb the grand teton if you take the upper exome ridge you kind of like do some square and then the first pitch is i think they call it wall street it's just like a three foot wide ramp or whatever you know and then like a thousand feet you're kind of it's low angle and you just walk up it and at the end of it it kind of like turns a corner and there's a thousand foot drop and you kind of just like jump and it's like three or four feet, but that's like a hero move because you have no pro in. You're going to take a fucking huge fall. You're roped up, or not everyone is, but we were. And yeah. Bro, I love it. I love that term. 
I kind of want to name the podcast or the, the title of this episode hero, the hero move. I love it. So, okay. I have a question. So, ba- so Bailey lives in a van, like legit kind of pretty much full time, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been almost two years. So this is your guy for van stuff, van life. And I'm not a van lifer. I'm a dirt bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Van lifers are too, they're, they're suburbia. There's too suburbi. He's like, he is truly hiker trash. I can vouch for him. He is truly. Van has 360,000 miles on it. <laughs> yeah. And he actually texted me uh, earlier uh, on the four by four by 40. He's like, Hey, do you smell worse than like normal? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, it's totally a dirtbag thing, but that's legit though. I think I smelled worse. And I thought <laughs> it was like, my body was really stressed out because like I'd enter a sleep cycle and then like abruptly be taken out of it. Sure. And I think it was just like releasing cortisol. Yeah, no, I, it was a good theory. Stress hormones. It doesn't smell good. It was a good theory. I like that theory. You live in Moab and it seems it's, yeah. and it seems like you, that's a good place for the van. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Like there's a bigger issue within the community with that. Yes. and No. Um, it's a good place to be in a van. There's a lot of people here in the van but that circles back to like a lack of affordable housing for seasonal workers. No kidding. Right. Cause there's a lot of money that comes through here. A lot of tourists and a lot of money. And it just, the town wouldn't run without an influx of people during busy season. I think uh, in busy season, there's about eight to 10,000 people that live here full time. And then in the winter, it's like four. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. 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 But yeah, it's, it seems when I, when we were in Utah, we did a Utah, Moab's in Utah. Yeah. 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 So we, we did a Utah trip. We went to, uh, I don't even know, Red Cliffs in Nevada. And then we went up to St. through St. George and yeah, somewhere around in there. And yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, it seemed like there was a ton of BLM land and stuff like that where you could, we just, car camps wherever seems pretty cool there's a really famous blm area north of town about 20 minutes called willow springs mm. and kind of tragically um that land just got like i think sold off or they're turning it into like developed campsites mm. what has been a dirt bags like kind of a oasis for years and years and years is now pay to camp was it and it was public land and they, they just developed it is what they did. Interesting. Well, they're working on it. So everything, all the paperwork's gone through. It's just in process. So I don't think if you're still in the area, you won't get charged if you're there. But I think starting next fall. Interesting. I wonder why they did that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the whole town is like, you know, there's more hotels coming up and more people coming in. And- right. It's hard to like have the perspective I do because I'm part of the problem in one sense, um, yeah. not part of the problem in another. Like, yeah, like locals, there's tourists, and then there's like transients who are there, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Interesting. Well, I mean, you touched on like an important point, which is affordable housing, and that's basically everywhere in America, unless you want to live in the fucking midwest and who wants to do that because that's where i'm from and um 
I wouldn't want to live there. So <laughs> yeah. Interesting, man. Tell me before we, I'll let you get going here, but what are, what's like, what's like your, what are the best things about living in a van for you? I think just the freedom, you know, like I've got all my gear in here. Like it's not a fancy van. There's no shower. There's no bathroom, anything like that. When I built this, I had two goals to mind. It was a bed and a gear shed. And that's all I wanted. You know, the bed doesn't like flip up into any crazy shit. It stays exactly where it is. I can be dog shit tired and just go lay down. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it. It's like the freedom. Like I just get to go do what I want. I know I have all the tools to do what I need to do here and just kind of pick up. Right. Right. You really do. I mean, you, I mean, your house is on literally on wheels. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty sweet. Your house and your gear and everything, man. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, I have a suite set up here in Moab though. My first month in town uh, a couple years ago, I met what is now a really good friend of mine, Austin. And uh, I've got a sweet gig at his place where I pull up and park here a couple nights a week, you know, hang out with the boys and uh, shower, do laundry, have a spot in the, the refrigerator for my food or whatever, give him like 50 bucks a month and it's all good. That's the coolest thing, man. I bet you have friends kind of all over the Western United States right now. And you're going to get even more this summer. You're, I mean, you're going to be rolling up to CO and, you know, AZ and all that stuff so it's good to have that network of people you're just riding through the state lines you hit up hit up your boys well you know the that idea is beautiful and it goes so much further like i did five weeks in europe over the summer and i can show 90 percent of it i got like five nights in a hostel throughout the entire five weeks wow so you just met people and was kind of couch hopping already knew as well because i've you know i've been doing europe trips for a couple summers now you are a uh, seasoned veteran of the world, Bailey. You are a hell of a character, man. That's fun. That's freaking awesome. Playground, right, Chad? Yeah, dude. How the hell? Well, this is what. So you mentioned you work at a bar. Yeah. What are you doing for money? So bar work is really freaking good. Yeah, I bet. I work at like a fancy bar in town, so the tips are really good. Uh, rest of the year is kind of odd jobs. Like last winter, I went and worked at a ski resort. Um, over this last summer, I did construction for a buddy of mine who was paying me fifty an hour cash under the table. Yeah, it was just grunt work, but yeah, awesome. Up and all that. Uh, went to Mexico for a month uh, with Sugar Mama, so just different source of income. Yeah, are you still with Sugar Mama? I was going to say, I haven't heard much about Sugar Mama for a while. I got a birthday present like a week ago. So, (laughs) Um, no, I actually got like a little boo thing, a little sweetheart in my life. And so I told Sugar Mama I'm going to be backing off. (laughs) I love it, dude. I love it. Cool, man. Well, there you have it, folks. That's a 4x4x48 with some sprinkle of not van life, dirtbag life and uh some other stuff so that's bailey i'm gonna leave your uh instagram and all that kind of stuff in the video but what is your what is your instagram for the people listening on the whole audio well this is gonna be this is gonna be your last name too i think right tell it to them they won't be able to type it it's bailey kushegji (laughs) that one good luck dude freaking good luck 
just follow yeah if you follow me just go into my followed people and he and then just search bailey <laughs> do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool dude well i appreciate it man thanks for coming on and we will catch up later i'm just gonna end the recording right there and then uh one sec